Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Please Blow My Mind. It's awesome to have you back and it's awesome to also be bringing you content like this. Holding my head again, making my way through crowded thoughts. Sometimes it's hard to get out of it. So, let me kick off with this week's guest. His name is Professor Grant Schofield and if you've been following my journey, you'll know that he plays a huge role in this journey. He's one of my earliest podcast guests on my earliest podcast called My Kiwi Life. That's worth a download and listen. It was quite the popular thing back in mm, 2013, 14. And uh, yeah, it just goes to show that kind of these relationships that we build, they build too. So Grant and I were talking about his research back in back in the day about um, high fat, low carb during a time when the world didn't really believe in this way of eating, this way that our ancestors ate for a long, long time. All Grant was saying is that the science says that fat's not bad for you. That's not the enemy. And since then, I mean, the world's kicked into gear right very few people uh, talk about fat as being the enemy in fact it's all turned to meat being the enemy and that's something to kind of maybe bring up another day but what I've always really admired about Grant is the fact that he is really science driven but he's also a communicator he seeks to communicate and that's been the kind of well, the podcast journey that him and I have been on, but also the study journey now that I'm on with him. So I haven't really made that public because I'm still trying to work my way through it, my journey with Grant. But yes, I'm on a pathway to doing my master's and beyond with Grant Schofield in the area of my passion, which is slow nasal breathing for the reduction of anxiety and to lower stress. And what we're going to do together is to really build this out. How can the people in New Zealand, Aotearoa and beyond, who seek to have a, a calmer mindset achieve that through the practice of something in our physiology, like slow nasal breathing, i.e. manava breathing, but also what's the movement aspect, what's the nutrition aspect, and how can we bring that together into a space of true well-being so yeah there we go um hey you might be noticing me uh kind of taking these short sharp breaths through my nose and i'm just trying to resist this mouth breathing that we do when we get excited this <sighs> because i realized when i was listening to episodes back that you could hear me doing this breathing and i think it's a certain type of breathing that we do do when we are in stressful situations this kind of short sharp breathing to keep our energy up and I'm just practicing in daily life and in podcast life to change the system here to still keep that energy but to keep that energy focused in the right place and the right place is the slower deeper breathing and I'm just accessing that uh that kind of physiology through my nose touching base with my diaphragm making sure that I'm not by accident entering uh, a deep fight or flight state <sighs> 
felt good. Okay, so here we go, team, with the podcast with Professor Grant Schofield. Can I just give two quick shout-outs? One to my Patreon page, Please Blow My Mind, no, patreon.com forward slash Please Blow My Mind. And the other one, oh, oh, yeah, Patreon. So if you want to support the podcast, please do. I try and provide the video side of the audio side, if that makes sense. So what that means is if you're a Patreon supporter, you get special access to video footage that I don't show anywhere else. Uh, what else? Oh, yeah, I'd like to also give a shout out to Manava Breathing. Uh, you can download the app for free. If you have an iPhone, it's called Manava Breathing, M-A-N-A-V-A, Breathing. Yep, and the other cool thing that we're doing with Manava Breathing is a product called Myotape. Now, Myotape is definitely worth a look. You can check it out by checking out our Instagram, Manava Breathing on Instagram, and in the link, in the bio in the link, is our Shopify page that sells this awesome product called Myotape. So basically, in 30 seconds, it's a tape that goes over your mouth but doesn't close your mouth in the middle so imagine like you're not duct taping your mouth it goes around your mouth which allows you to gently bring your lips together by the elastic that the tape is made of which allows you to gently have a reminder to keep your mouth closed and get all of the power of nasal breathing through the daytime and more powerfully at nighttime. So also, why this is beneficial is if you snore, this will help reduce snoring simply by keeping your mouth closed. And also, you will have way less of the sleep apnea crap that goes on. That's definitely brought on by weight, but also by this mouth breathing at night. Bad, 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 bad news. I think that's all the plugs. Let's get into the podcast with Professor Grant Schofield. Can I say to you all out there, thank you so much. Thank you all for blowing my mind. For a hero, look inside the mirror. I find one. Oh, carry the hurt when it gets too hard. Pick it up, dust it off. When I fall down 11, I get up 12. Don't need nobody else. Yeah, I can save myself. Before we kick off, I think it's worth doing a little reminder on how I came across you. And that's uh, probably back in 2013. And I were reading a bunch of, um, and seeing a bunch of media around high fat, low carb. Now, that's kind of like normal. But back then, you were like quite the outlier with saying that eating fat uh, was not bad for you. But we're 2021 now. I don't, I've never seen your name come up to say, hey, the professor was right. You'll be fine. Is that frustrating, Grant? Oh, no, I think we've, um, and just for granted, what Will and I have just been doing is working through how to, it doesn't sound that exciting, but it's actually quite good fun, judge the quality of clinical trials. Yeah. And, and um, which I guess is an interesting thing, just to look at evidence and say mm. what's evidence and mm. science and how do you make of it, what do you do with it, how do you say, no, that was good, that was bad. Um, and so the sort of scientific process is that people will from time to time come along with new ideas and they'll go hey I, I reckon you were wrong and people will push back against that naturally and go no no we th- think we're right uh, and then the sort of burden falls on you to go well actually here's where the evidence is at and you know, conduct your own 
research, which is what we do, mm. and um, and summarise and present other people's research, and you know write reviews, and uh, you know contribute to this thing called the literature, which is a sort of scientific mass of stuff. Mm. Um, yeah, I, th- I think you're right though. No one no one gives medals out in the literature. It's not an awards ceremony going. This has now changed because science sort of inches along, um, and and does change. Um, we figure out that stuff, some thought, stuff we thought was right is wrong, and and the other way around. So yeah, it just inches along, and some people won't change their mind because that's a human condition. They, they, mm. that, that's been their career, and that's part of being a human. People will find it difficult to go, no, I was wrong. So some scientists won't change their mind. And as um, there was a famous physicist. Max Planck, who said, "Well, science advances one funeral at a time," um, and so you know that's that's sort of what's happening. I think we've made quite a bit of impact on the world uh, around uh, diet, especially, but you know all sorts of things to do with well-being, which I'm sure we'll get into. Mm. But this this idea of of being congratulated for being right in science um, isn't really a thing, um, and not only that. Um, at any point point in time, you could be proved to be um, wrong on a number of points, which will probably be end up being the case because that's the scientific process that will keep advancing. Mm. And so, yeah, that's just that's the way it rolls. Um, but what, like, one of the examples I've been trying to think about, we've been talking about, you know, what is even the point of truth? You know, why, 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 for example, did you encourage me to come back and study some of these ideas I've got around breathing and anxiety and, you know, all of these things that as a podcast person, I speak to hundreds of people. I've got lots of ideas on things, but yeah. if you were to tell me to prove anything, yeah. I couldn't do that. Right. So that's one of the reasons you said, Hey, come and understand the scientific method so you yeah. can understand what is true. If you look at it through a doctor's lens, yeah. um, that doesn't a doctor like a GP have a thing that you you shouldn't do harm? That's one of their big yeah. Uh, okay, so, so so sort of a couple of things here. So yes. first of all, you know, what's the point of truth? Because I tried this on myself. Good example for you, I guess, is you know I've been doing hot and cold treatments, getting into these ice baths. Mm-hmm. So, you know, first pass sounds uh, pretty abhorrent, but I've been you know managing that through that idea of slow nasal breathing, and there's you know I've noticed really big benefits. Mm-hmm. And you go well for me, that's good enough. I'm like, yeah, okay, that, that's cool. That that works for you, and um, you managed to convince me to do it as well, and it works for me as well. Got got my wife into it, and you know, various other people that I know. I've sort of convinced some of them that it's a good idea as well, and it, that, you know, it's good enough at that level. But it's not good enough when you want to go and go, okay, well now I've got a product um, or a program to to help you. Uh, I want to say some stuff more widely in the public health system. You know, well, we could go into actually um, saying, like, we've got a mental health problem in this country, and actually, some of that mild to moderate stress and anxiety is really well managed by some of these methods. They're probably just not going to take our word for it that we've tried it at home. And so, um, actually, you can imagine that's fair enough. They go, well, have you actually like done sort of some sort of better idea of seeing whether this has worked? And we go, oh well, we asked all these people who do this, all the bloggers, and they think it's a good idea. They go, well, no, 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 we're actually thinking about, you know, have you done, you know, science? And we were or do you mean like a study, a clinical trial, we randomise people to this group and this group and we see which is more effective? And, and they go, we go, no. And they go, well, we're not going to consider it until we've seen 
you know more the scientific word it's a bit of a funny word more robust evidence like you know stuff that's actually is defendable it's repeatable we know what you did we can see what you did you you've been through a whole process of peer review and you've published it and that's that's what researchers and scientists and uh, you know good health practitioners do they engage in that process um, and one of the reasons I'm keen for you to engage in that process we do need more evidence around cold uh, and heat and breathing because mm. I think it is likely to turn out to be a pretty effective treatment and so therefore if you're going to engage in that then there's actually you know you sort of need to learn the language of science and the decision making about that and what people are talking about and mm. actually it's it's not as hard as you think it's actually common sense with a, a little bit of a stricter approach to common sense applied to it yeah absolutely and you know that's the kind of tricky thing is uh when let's just take this example so i probably should have come to see you weeks ago yeah and just to talk about common sense but there is the opposite to common sense which is you sit with yourself i i suspect that's this where it leads to depression and stuff too right you're having this conversation about something you could fix quite simply by going to visit someone who knows more than you or yeah. to to be able to express something yet we sit there and we fester yeah and we turn this into like this monster yeah. um and i mean everyone has their own examples for me it's like dreaming about assignments yeah. coming up yeah, you yeah. know and it's like you come and sit down with a good source and 10 minutes later you're having fun <laughs> And yeah. you're talking about the scientific method and yeah so so i, I agree like mm. the, and i think the, the lesson for everyone here is if you're i guess that sort of turning things over in your mind what's the psychological term rumination mm. over and over worrying about stuff that hasn't happened yet mm. worried about stuff that has happened rather than doing something about what you can do about mm. um and I, I think people are always surprised when they go and ask for a little bit of help or something whether it's just be academics with your assignments you know if, if you're in sports asking your coach or you know asking your, your mum and dad for help or mm. you know helping out someone people want to help you yeah uh, absolutely and, and, and not only that the main beneficiary of giving the help is the person who's helping mm. so so you know, I'm sitting here having a great old time this morning going oh I've got some use in life you know which uh, people shouldn't forget that yeah but what is it what's what is happening on that other side and maybe we can kind of talk a little bit about stress it's been something that I never thought you know when I kind of started talking to you about breathing I thought it just maybe about breathing as a tool that you can access to feel calm yeah you pushed me a bit more to you know be like well what's happening why would you need something like that you know yeah. what what is it what is stress and yeah. and it's become a bit of a passion now as to um trying to see how our mind and body work together yeah. to mitigate stress yeah. and in real time analyzing and look everyone understands if you're young or old you got stress if you're driving if you're walking you're always analyzing stress and some of us can um i guess resolve it quick and and better but others it festers you know and it builds yeah. up into this thing and because you can't see it you could probably measure it but you can't see it it's hard to even talk about it it's like we're talking about a boogeyman you know <laughs> stress say eh? you know like yeah. a freddy krueger or something and although although that's a funny way to put it because in some ways you know stress you, you need stress to have a healthy life yes like yes. And this, you know, the simplest form of stress that um, all humans 
uh, exposed to every day is gravity. <laughs> like, like no one walks around and go, oh man, this gravity is just getting too much for me. <laughs> um, you know, we're exposed to that stress, um, and and doing that allows us to have strong bones, to develop muscles, um, you know, to function in the way that we were designed to. We're designed for about this amount of gravity by the looks of things. Yeah. Um, and you take that away, and then people are like, well. You, know, you go to space and, and your body devolves into mm. some non-functioning proper human mm. um, so, you, so you need that if you gave yourself too much gravity you walked around with a, um, you know, a, a 50 kilo pack on every day then you start to get you know, problems with your spine and you know, other things so we need about the right amount of stress and, and it's also true you know, psychologically and physically that, that the right amount of stress acutely like just a bit of it mm. and then it goes away is is like the essence of having a healthy life. You have to have it. So you're not trying to avoid stress. We're actually trying to find stress. Right. Um, but what we're trying to avoid is stress that we can't get rid of. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, in the modern world, that's the problem, isn't it? That this sort of chronic psychological stress, you end up with um, activating the fight or flight mm. response, which is probably around like you know a few minutes to save your life. Now it's going for the whole day. That's right. A month. Yeah years mm. um, and I think that's the sort of what do you call it the Freddy Krueger yeah, yeah. thing uh, so, do so, people know what, who Freddy Krueger is oh well you know like who who are the I haven't seen a good horror film it's like the Friday the 13th movie yeah series but from even the those 80s, are old aren't they yeah. Freddy yeah. Krueger was a chronic stress though if we yeah. use the word chronic stress because he got you in your dreams oh uh, okay yeah, that's right so assignments have been of chronic stress <laughs> yeah right <laughs> but, but okay let's hold on that point so when I think maybe it's easier if we say when, when most people talk about stress they're talking about chronic stress yeah stress that you can't get away from yeah it's the boogeyman it's, yeah. it's waiting for you around the corner yeah. or at least that's how your yeah. mind and body perceive it yeah. but this other kind of terminology you mentioned acute stress yeah. that's the the gym workout the run yeah. the these the the thing you can overcome and get the rocky yeah, it makes you stronger right running yeah. to the steps yeah, yeah. Like going rocky. in a sauna yes stresses you out enough that you yes. produce heat shock proteins and you know your body builds up stronger going yeah. in cold mm. um produces a resilience your body is stronger so yeah there's yes. all sorts of things like that yeah i uh did do you come across obviously we both know Wim Hof yeah. and he did that study where they injected um, oh the the toxins yes yeah and, and they had an immune system yes. so you know yeah, acute stress activates the immune system and that's yes. a great thing and he did that through that tumo breathing yeah the rapid yeah. breathing yeah. which as I worked through in the presentation I gave to our class yeah. um, you know you have that kind of top down domino effect yeah. you um, purposefully start releasing cortisol and adrenaline yeah. through the breathing because yeah. you're effectively putting yourself in fight or flight yeah. but that activates the white blood cells that look to kill yeah. anything like these short term yeah yeah like so, so short term acute psychological and physical stress activates inflammation in the immune system yeah. and, and you can probably see some uses for that if you're going to get into a fight or flight situation um, perfect mm. so yeah it's just if it's activated the whole time then mm. the exact opposite happens from what what the, what the idea was um it's going to be tricky because i always want like my mission with you in some ways is to like what is the f if we're t talking about things as dominoes or foundations yeah. what is that fundamental one because i keep thinking of like you know polo 13 where they're like yeah. we've got 500 things to do and yeah. we're we've started at 24 yeah and i think about like you know when you talk about breathing or cold these um 
like systems and tools that are supposed to play their role yeah. but are we doing it manually automatically yeah. you know we can we seem to be able to do it with yeah. both yeah. so i want to trace back with you a little bit if you you know maybe don't speak so scientifically let's just have a conversation <laughs> like uh like you know we talk about nutrition we talk health we talk exercise like man there's a obviously a lot of things that can go on with us you know yeah. we've got internal factors external factors yeah. and I'm, I'm trying to trace my way back and you see it in our conversations yeah. together like um, it probably is a mixture of everything because we're so adaptable you know yeah. you can eat fish blubber and or, you know seal yeah. blubber and be fine yeah. you can have a totally 100 um, percent vegan diet and somewhat be somewhat be, be fine, fine. Yeah. Yeah. um but to kind of sit in that homeostasis or that yeah. realm of just being really fine, yeah. like, like, uh, are we in that now? Probably. No, I, I see. I reckon I can sort of see where you're going there. I reckon any human, if you took them from out of the modern world, hmm. like this modern thing that we live in, that doesn't resemble the worlds that we evolved in. And so we've got this fundamental problem of a mismatch, right? Like our bodies as they exist and brains as they exist now aren't matched to the environment that we've built for it. Mm. You took any one of us and put us back in a more paleolithic type thing where we were hunting and gathering. And, and that could be you know, on a, on a Pacific island when you're fishing and living in a small, um, you know, in a small tribe type situation or you're up in the uh, Arctic with some Inuit living in that way. Um, I think you'll find that almost all of these things melt away and we actually end up thriving. Um, we end up naturally in a balance. Uh, what we're built for as humans matches what the environment demands for us. You know, it doesn't make life easy, but it makes uh, all of these sort of, you know, anyone, no one's going to get diabetes, no mm. one's going to get cancer or mm. heart disease, no one's going to get depression all of the main things that afflict us, Alzheimer's, they're not going to be things. Um, we'll, we'll be in harmony with the world because it matches us. Now, the problem in the modern world is that we don't match it hardly at all. Um, we're, um, we've got lights that if you know, we could just start across the day. We've got lights in the evening and screens that affect our melatonin. We can't get to sleep properly. Our quality and quantity of sleep is upset uh, we we um, get up we have food that doesn't resemble food that was recently alive at all it's highly ultra processed it's full of sugar uh, we end up going to work we drive there uh, so we're seated we're not active but our cortisol's way up um, we're going from one thing to another at work we're seated most of that time uh, we end up with knowing a lot of people but close friends with very few uh, we uh, just in comfortable situations where it's neither too hot nor too cold and so it just doesn't humans just don't thrive under those conditions mm. and so then you go well where do you start we're not all going we're, obviously the solution is not to go back and live in um, we're not change the planet back to Paleolithic times because there's advantages of modern living as well so so then you're sort of talking about well for you now you know Will Fleming or Grant Schofield where 
is the best bang for your buck to apply things. And for some people, um, they're actually pretty good, but their diet's just nothing that resembles actual food, and that's the best change they can make. Yeah. For other people, actually, their nervous system, they're just constantly breathing through the mouth, they're hyperventilating, that stress of driving and not exercising is a problem and and so they're constantly in this fight or flight thing and actually it might be a matter of just learning how to breathe properly through your nose that's Mm. the best bang for their buck uh and so i think that's the sort of advice that i'm thinking about is like how do you tailor that and then some some person's like well uh like your mayor's actually not just interested in functioning okay but optimizing their function so we're trying to apply all sorts of tools yes so frustrated with governments with this right because they they go what's the advice to be physically active oh just do 30 minutes of anything most days well that's great but that's not optimal yes uh, you need probably a bit more than that and there's there's all sorts of nuances about high intensity and you know, maybe some resistance training and doing things with other people all that stuff right so that's that's all there and the same with diet just oh well blah 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 do this no you optimal functioning mm. so yeah that's what what space we're in we're after optimal we're after just helping the most people possible I was thinking about um, the role of individual versus collective. Yeah. And all of the stuff you talk to me about is real thrives on an individual or yeah. small scale. Eh? Yeah. And the, the challenge we get is on that how do you mass do it? You know, like yeah, ha- yeah, yeah. how do you have meat in packets at the supermarket that aren't plastic on a mass scale yeah and everyone buys into that and and how do you do it so it doesn't go off before people need it yeah and how do you do it every day 24 hours a day yeah and i think that's where you get into that kind of thought experiment is okay well you've got to have a worse the best worst uh the best worst case um problem you know because we talk about plastic and you know you've told me heaps of times that imagine if you could see the amount of trash you use but then how do you solve the problem of if I go to the supermarket I can reliably expect that a meat packet will be ready for me and I can take it home and I'm not going to get you know a raft of dramas with um, clean clean, hygiene or whatever but still there's another problem which you make which is you know and that's and that's where I think the pressure of life is on everyone is like Again, what are the fundamentals to to care about, to worry about? Yeah. Um, and then, how do you explain it to people in a way where it doesn't sound like you're weird? <laughs> you know, because that's the true thing. Like, we could talk about going in a cold ice bath, but yeah. nine people out of ten will say, why the hell would you do that? Yeah, um, and especially people who've got anxiety and depression, who are the ones who stand to most benefit from it, are the, possibly the ones most likely to go, are you kidding me, I've already got this going on, you want me to get into what? Yeah, uh, so what's the most simplest way, and let's not put each other on the spot, particularly yeah. you, <laughs> I'm just a student, you're the Mr. Miyagi here, uh, and you know people can isolate that clip, but the most, you know, we talk a lot about logic. You went through a system with me about the scientific method as to why it's actually quite logical yeah and once it's understood it's actually really fun i got a blast this morning yeah and it was like oh jeepers we're going through some really interesting stuff about omega-3s and the role it plays in depression and you know short training versus whatever yeah when we talk about like uh depression and all of these things you know well you where do we start like does someone start by um does someone start by saying, I'm going to purposefully 
have a cold shower every morning yeah. and try not to eat till after 12 because I want to introduce a small amount of stress that I can control yeah. and beat. Yeah. You know, uh, should, you know, and, and then it's the raft of everything else. Should I really do that? Am I healthy enough to do that? Yeah. You know, or do I go back a step and say, yeah. I'm going to try and measure my breathing and say to myself that I'm at least going to breathe at a slower rate for yeah. seven days. Yeah. Um, but the problem, Grant, is someone will do that. It's not obvious that you're feeling better because your body's adapted. Yeah. You might just have one less pain. Yeah. You know, you might sweat less because yeah. you're in the less fight or flight. Yeah. Unless someone's tracking you. Yeah. You know. Well, I mean, I, I, there's sort of two levels of this. Mm. Let's just start at either end. Let's start with the species as a whole. So humans, homeos, sapiens, sapiens. You know, whenever you go on something manufactured like a car or an aeroplane, it's just actually astonishing what you know, a modern house, what humans can, this office, this building, what people can, as a collective, can do. So we're capable as a collective of doing way more than we ever can as an individual. Uh, but that collective needs to make a collective decision to do it. At the moment, we haven't, as a collective, decided that we're concerned about what I would have thought one of the most important things, how we feel and how our quality of life is. We aspire to build a good quality of life, but we've missed some of the fundamentals. So, so that our collective effort isn't behind it. I, I, I think the COVID crisis is an example of actually what you can achieve with a collective effort. I mean, honestly, science and scientists, you know, inventing a new vaccine, um, doing the trials, getting the science out for, you know, for better or worse across all of the interesting things. But in that speed... Is astonishing. If we'd applied that to mental health, man, imagine that. Um, and it is sort of awkward because mental health is way more of a crisis than COVID. It affects way more people every day, um, causes way more global deaths. Um, not to put down the that COVID's not a thing, mm. but you know, like we as a collective, we can bloody well apply ourselves when we want to and incredible, incredible, th- incredible things. Mm. Get on an aeroplane, and the mere fact this thing takes off the ground, like, what, what the hell? Yeah. So, so on that end, we haven't made a decision as a species that actually we want to truly confront what I would have thought is one of the most important things to the human condition, having a good quality of life. And yes. it's undermined by some of our efforts like um, to, to invent a better world. The, the second thing, completely the other end of the thing, is what can an individual do um, about this? And it's like, yeah, single things matter. Mm. And you don't make any progress in your, unless you start. And you don't, I guess the, the, the good side and the downside is that, is that failure is inevitable. Like if you start eating on a plan, um, that'll be going really well until you're not. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, same with your exercise regime or your cold water or whatever. Um, but if you start with that in mind and, and think about relapse as just a completely normal thing. Mm. It's like, of course that's going to happen. What did I learn from it? And so, so my attitude, I think, and what I'd love to impart on people is like, if you want to make a change, it's great. Make a change, expect to fail, um, embrace the failure, and say, what did I learn from that failure and what can I do, what am I going to do slightly different next time? Mm. And my whole life is a series of attempts and failures but actually on the whole with a, I think, 
you know, being slightly better at stuff as I go on. And, and so that, you know, at one level there's a species-wide thing and at another level there's a person thing. It's like, because I, I, I often get worried about you all. You're like, oh, I tried this with my eating and, and that didn't work. I was like, it bloody worked. You had a great old time. You <laughs> yeah. learned heaps. But, but at the very last step, um, you snatched defeat from the jaws of victory because you were like, you, you changed the narrative that it didn't work. Well, it worked up until it didn't work. Yes. And for next time, I know this. Um, so, so you know, I think that's what our work on mm. narrative is. Um, I think absolutely because you're such a great biohacker yeah. with, with with all these cool things um, until you're not. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but but that's like that's the thing, eh? Is that no one else? You see yourself different to how others, and there's some bits that merge, right? Like, yep. but but for the most part, it's really hard, you know, because I'm a curious person, yep. and I I like to write from carnivore to potatoes or fasting or yep. you yep. know, yep. and you know, in in some ways, I'm a real time experiment because I'm I'm that second generation kind of Kiwi come from the Pacific yep. who they starved literally. So, fat and things were the, of the highest um, respect. Yeah, you know, and if you yeah, had val- that, valued food, because yeah, it's high and, energy, and that's yeah. why you see Pacific meals today. They're full of fat, except yeah. no one is struggling for fat. Yeah. So that's the drama. Is most of it's not fat; it's sugar, and all yeah. of that conversation. But my mum, once she realised she had a little bit more, she's like, "Right, you're never going to be hungry." Yeah. And she did me the opposite, right? Yeah. Which is yeah. like. I spend a life never being hungry yeah. and you have high blood pressure and all this stuff. Yeah. So I've been trying to trace back now, how do you get back to just a more fair place? And yeah. I think that's why it's come through in a lot of the stuff I'm interested in is how do you get over that addiction to food? You know, yeah. logic can't really help you when you have this parasite of addiction. Yeah, It's like trying to, you know, smoking, less people smoke now, but yeah. And they had to move heaven and earth to stop that, right? Yeah. They literally had to make it so you couldn't afford it. Yeah. And now, you know, people will rob dairies just to get cigarettes because yeah. they're that dependent on it. Um, I think it's like that with food, you know, like yeah. you, you can have a, a shot of the dairy in 1800s versus the dairy today and all the sugar differences, but yeah. you still yeah. don't answer the question, how do you get someone off that? Yeah. You know? How how are you gonna pull them away from that? Because your body adapts to, you know, all of this crap. Yeah. And it doesn't adapt. It tries to keep alive yeah. with it, yeah. but still, it's got a grip on you. So that's why I've been dabbling in those amino acids, you know, yeah. and omega threes. And when you start realizing that those are the things that should be funded, really, yeah. Um, we, you know, I'm hopefully we'll do a podcast with um, Professor Rucklidge. Yeah. Just that nutrition, you know. Yeah. So so the effects of like omega threes on mood and depression, including major depression, um, or even other th- supplements like magnesium, um, are quite powerful and mm. actually quite a bit better than antidepressants. Right. Um, but what do you yeah, mean by not, that? But we're not, we're not handing that. them out. We're not prescribing them. Yeah. They're not a treatment. They're not a thing. They're just on a chemist shelf in yeah. these little packets that no one, you know. Yeah, you have to buy them at full price, whereas you're going to get antidepressants for free or whatever. Right. Right. Yeah. Can we talk about antidepressants for a sec, Graham? Yeah. And and you know, you tell me where you're comfortable talking, but you know to our class and you know i've heard you talk to others like you've used the scientific method on like does it work 
Yeah. And then you can trace it back to, you know, your questions, which yeah. is like, is it even true? Yeah. So if we talk about something as ingrained in society as probably sugar is like, if you are feeling sad or not happy, you can yeah. get a tablet for that. Yeah. But like, it's, you know, you've kind of outlined it to me that it's like, it's bad news, eh? Well, I mean, whenever I'm judging some treatment or some research, some yeah. thing to do. Yes. I have this sort of pretty straightforward three-step process, so I'll just apply that to antidepressants if you want. Um, so the first question, so question one of three, is it even true that taking antidepressants improve your mood? And so, so the first step in understanding if something's true is you need to look at how they studied it. Well, one person um, did a study with rats. It's, you know, that's okay, but that's probably not good enough to apply the whole thing to humans. Um, or they looked at people who took antidepressants over here versus people who didn't. Um, it's probably not good enough either. You want to do, you know, for, for that sort of drug evidence, you need a clinical trial. Well, what's a clinical trial? You randomise people to get the treatment, the antidepressant, um, or not get nothing in the control group, a placebo, because we know there's a placebo effect for most drugs. So, you know, double-blind placebo randomised control trial, which is a sort of drug trial thing. Um, you don't know which one you're getting, the clinician doesn't know which one they're giving you, but it's unblind at the end. Even the person doing the analysis doesn't know which was the uh, the drug group versus the placebo group. Um, and so for, for antidepressants, those that standard of trial with you know large numbers is met. And in fact, there's about 522 at last count of those types of trials. So that's, that's not not done. So we under, there's a good quality of evidence so is it even true? So, um, and then, well, when you do those things, is it the second part of that first question is, um, is it true that these antidepressants improve people's mood? And the answer is yes, they do. It's true that they do. So it's standing promising so far. There's big, robust, heaps of trials, um, well conducted uh, with placebos, um, and they do affect your mood. So, so that's the first step. Okay, sounding promising, but but on its own, it's not good enough. You need to apply two more things, and they are so crucial, and they're important for everything, antidepressants, but also if you're going to get surgery or anything. It's like, well, if it is true, how big is the effect? And the answer for antidepressants is it's about a two-point change in an, on a depression scale, and the depression scale might have typically about 52 points. And so the effect is very small, and not only that, it's barely distinguishable from placebo because placebo also improves your mood. And so the answer is, yes, yeah, effective, but not very effective. Mm. Um, in fact, a two-point change in a 52-point depression scale is probably not what we call clinically meaningful. And you know, other things like exercising uh, or diet interventions might, might have three or four times the impact on your mood as this antidepressant. So, but, but okay, it, it's doing something. Um, and some people might get more effect than others. And so then the third question we've, we've gone through, is it even true, Does it, you know, what's the quality of the study, and is there actually an effect? Yes. Um, uh, how big is the effect? Well, not very big, but okay, does it cause any harms is question three. And that says, yes, it could. So, for example, uh, antidepressants for under-24s have a black box warning for the US FDA because they increase suicidal ideation and actual suicides and so yeah, as a as a treatment for that age group they're highly debated and because they cause harms uh, not so much or of so so higher 
um, bad thing for, for adults over 24, but they do cause some harms. And so, so on balance, I'm going, why is our primary mechanism for mood disorders a drug that hardly works above placebo and has the potential, especially for young people, to cause harm? Um, is there something else that we can do? Mm. Which is, I guess, another question now, if you want to introduce a fourth question, are there alternatives that are better? And the answer is, hell yeah, food, um, especially some particular supplements. Julie Rutledge has done this stuff with high-dose uh, multivitamins and minerals. There's omega-3s, there's uh, magnesium, mm. particularly magnesium citrate, uh, exercise, uh, sleep, connecting with other people, and talk therapies are all effective and taken together could be even more effective so that, that's a sort of thing that I'm thinking about antidepressants and mm. um, it's really hard to step into that pharmaceutical world but if you've got a lens a sort of scientific lens for judging the quality of research then you can make a, a, a pretty good go of it mm. and, and that's sort of why you know 25 years in I'm still passionate about um, about your know, higher education especially post-grad education at uni because like it's like man, the stuff's not that hard. It's quite good fun, and you could make such a difference to the world if, you, if, if people got on the top of that stuff. And I love talking about this stuff. Yeah. But you've got to do it in a way, hopefully I can do it in a way that's, that's accessible enough for people to get engaged with it. You right, know? right. Because there's like multiple, like we talked about the high-fat, low-carb, which yeah. is just so obvious in today's world, eh? You know, like yeah. words like keto and all of that stuff. Yeah. Grant, did it feel like this with the conversation around antidepressants then, when you were first talking oh, about it? Yeah, yeah. It's like, like it's like it's like, look, you know, your current standard of care and diet back in two thousand and twelve or so, when we start really rip into that, is a low fat diet, mm. um, which is high in carbohydrate. Um, that'll jack up your insulin and your blood sugar. Um, that corresponding, you know, we call it hyperinsulinemia, hyperglycemia, you know, high in both of those. Um, are the main cause of all the major chronic diseases. So, mm. in fact, your diet's probably doing harm, not benefit. Yes. Um, so, so in fact, rather than telling people to restrict fat and eat more grains, why don't we tell them to eat no grains, restrict their carbohydrates, and eat more fat um, from natural sources mm. um, and plenty of protein and see what happens. And everyone's just like, oh, you can't do that. And it's like, well, hang on, there's, there's randomised trials on this, and it shows benefit. And, and since then... You know, I don't know, there's probably 150 randomised trials, a couple of which we've done, um, in that genre, showing benefit and, and really no harm. Hmm. And so you're like, come on, guys, get yeah. to it. And uh, <laughs> when we're saying, come on, guys, like, is that like, is that the policy makers? Because I tell you where I want to go with it. It's like, um, you know, we were looking as a class last night at these charts on what we should be eating. Yeah. And even though you've just outlined, you know, the the non-harm benefits of protein and fat, and yeah. it was still a tiny proportion yeah. in the recommended ways of eating. And I didn't even see one bit of fat. Yeah. It was all this lean stuff that yeah, yeah. you can't imagine feeling like, you know, maybe it's not fulfilling. fat just makes you feel, oh, yeah, because you yeah. can't actually eat that much. Try yeah. it, you yeah. know. You, eventually you'll be like, oof, yeah. it tastes yum until it doesn't. Yeah, correct, correct, until you fall. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I think part of the sort of food guidelines and the sort of still debate that goes on is, is big food related. And so in our country we have this health star rating, which is really 
not even applied by the Ministry of Health, it's applied by um, Ministry of Primary Industries. Um, it basically endorses ultra-processed, high-sugar food uh, at the expense of healthy food. These are driven by big food companies that have caused that to happen. Um, there's still, and, and, there's, and there's a lot of evidence that big food uh, really drove this uh, hiding sugar is the problem and promoting fat is the problem in the 60s and 70s. There's evidence for that. There's evidence for, strong evidence for any food industry funded research um, pushes the publication and the scientific result into an area that's not consistent with independently found results. In other words, it biases results. Um, same with pharmaceutical research. You, you can't get clear, clean results when it, you must look at the funding. And so it permeates to policy. Like in this country, we still have a warning on the Ministry of Health's website about the dangers of low-carbohydrate and ketogenic diets for public health. Mm. I mean, it's just bizarre. And this is in the same time as the European Union has just adopted that as the most effective uh, way to, to lose weight over the short to medium term, and that's consistent with the randomised trials. The American Diabetes Association is now saying that um, uh, low, very low-carbohydrate diets are, are effective and safe way, uh, possibly a better way to manage your diabetes than in any other diet, yet we still have these um, these public policy things happening. So, you know, the world sometimes, I guess, changes more slowly and there's other forces that are, mm. that are resisting it and, you know, I don't know what to <laughs> do about that other than keep talking about it. Yeah, well, I mean, um, absolutely keep talking about it because you know maybe one way to think about it is you are leaving bread crumbs is probably the wrong thing because <laughs> carb crumbs but yeah. you're leaving a trail yeah you know and and as i've kind of explored with you today in our um, learning session yeah that's really what the research is why the papers are there they're a trail eh? to go backwards yeah and have a look about who did what and yeah. and through this conversation at least you don't have to be an academic to follow in to what you're saying yeah yeah and and also i guess the other thing about this is sort of scientific record the literature as they call it mm. um like there used to be a time in human history not very long ago where the only access to that was if you had the sort of medical um, school library card and so you know a few of the old boys could go and get that literature because it was all published in volumes and mm. only in certain libraries mm. um, with the resources to be able to maintain that level of resource yeah um, now it's at your fingertips. Yeah. People will tweet or blog or uh, social media, Facebook, Insta, uh, the latest papers, is they're, they're freely available. There's rigorous debate as it happens. So the scientific literature is now available to everyone mm. um, and with a, a little bit of skill in thinking about things, um, then we can have billions of people looking at this and making their judgments rather than a few people that are... Uh, possibly biased yeah, yeah yeah that session you gave me this morning that would be a good little um free lecture series for you yeah. to do you know how, how to read a paper yeah how to take information away yeah. what an awesome foundation that everyone should have a look at because then the world's truly your oyster pubmed yeah. all of those things they actually become real things not just 30 pages of what the hell am i reading yeah it's a good example of that that sticks in my mind from this morning session was we're reading through this paper and it's going I think it was about they they gave people some exercise sessions people with uh, psychosis mm. so like schizophrenia and that yeah. sort of thing and trying to see if it worked well you know it was a small smaller study you know, 
um, how do we judge its quality? Well, half of the people that started it finished the exercise sessions. They did two sessions a week over six months. Oh, that, that's interesting to know that you know that we could only get half the people to do it, but still they did it. Mm. Um, the control group, well, they didn't actually do anything. They just stayed at home. So really, what are you comparing it against? Is it high intensity? You know, it's mm. just exercising. Um, and then they, they had two ways of analysing, and this is really the interesting thing. They had this thing called intention to treat. So they analysed it by everyone who was supposed to turn up. They didn't find anything. They're going, well, you know, it doesn't seem very effective if you just analyse it by intention to treat, as it's called. What about the people who actually completed it and did what they're supposed to? Well, actually, there were these massive effects. Mm. And, you know, the question is, how do, you, how do you judge that? Should you be judging it by everyone that you're enrolled? Because half of the people didn't finish it. Or should you be judging it by the people who did it mm. and completed it? And those aren't, there's no known answer to that. Like, it's up to you and me to make judgments about mm. that, you know, on a case by case basis. Mm. Um, and and so, so you get into this sort of nuanced area of trying to understand scientific research, which, you know, actually is more interesting than you think. Yeah, oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, and um, it, well, I don't know, there's lots of things that unlock meaning, but for me, traveling down this path with you it's it's like it's fun it's confusing but it's fun and i kind of see a light at the end of the tunnel which is like being able to actually explain what you mean um on the spot yeah and it's probably probably one of the things people like about you is you can go live on telly or sit in a facebook live or you know be asked in pretty big moments to hey can you unpack this yeah and you've just had enough time going through these things you'll be like okay well a equals B C, yeah. and you can talk your way through it, which is like, which is also why um, I think the conversation around is it true or not is so key in today's world because like everything is just feelings now. Everything is how you feel and your interpretation and how you look. Yeah, there's not not really any scientific rigor. In fact, I think there's a push to be the opposite to that now yeah you know don't ask me to explain it it just is how it is yeah the sort of fake news stuff and then and then the sort of um the echo chambers of everyone having the same opinion yes and taking one or two high narrative points yeah like trump's an expert at that eh? yeah you know just like build the wall and all of a sudden this became a narrative and i think that's what you can maybe learn from these things yep. is how do you take the high level narrative of you know antidepressants and yep. and and actually like use that power that the yep. kind of uh, that people have harnessed on either side to gain relevance yeah you know because well, that's the yeah well a classic example for that for me is is this whole is the plant based vegan yep. stuff so 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 here's an example where you could apply that rigor and it, and we haven't applied it right so. Um, even someone does a randomised clinical trial, they put people on, they, they randomise them to getting a plant-based diet, um, and the control group typically is just whatever they were eating, standard American diet, so pretty high in junk food. And, and they get an improvement in their health. Um, so, you know, is it true? Yeah, they did a decent study. They found an improvement in their health. Um, and then they, but then the conclusion from that study is, well, um, getting meat out of your diet has these beneficial effects on your health. Um, that study design doesn't tell you that. Um, you'd have to change the design. You'd have to do this. And so far as I know, this trial hasn't been done. You'd get people in, you'd randomise them to two different diets. They would be similar in quality, so they'd have the same carbs, fat, protein, micronutrients. But one would have be getting some of those nutrients from meat, and the other one would be meat-free, but get the same nutrients from plants. 
and then you would follow people up and see if there was an improvement in their health by removing the meat component. Mm. That's the only scientific way of making that claim. Um, because it's pretty obvious if you do a randomised trial and people have this plant-based diet which has all sorts of improvements, they're eating more fruits and vegetables, they've got this, and they're no longer eating uh, Doritos and uh, cans of Coke and or they stop drinking alcohol as well or whatever, then those things are diet quality improvements that have nothing to do with eating meat or not. In fact, adding meat, taking meat out of it might have been a net loss to them. Um, we just don't know that mm. and there's no such conclusion. But, but, but the sort of scientific rigour to unpack that in a world where it's us versus them and it's popular versus unpopular can still have a constructive um, debate around what's true and not. Mm. And that just doesn't exist. In, well, that debate is a classic example of that mm. at the moment. Um, and so that study, well, will it ever be done? I don't know. I don't know who's going to fund that multi-million dollar study, but you know, it needs to be done for that to be settled. Absolutely. Um, yeah. it's, you know, we just keep coming back to truth and all that stuff. I kind of feel like that's, that's your next book. You know? <laughs> what the truth. Yeah, or just or to finish the what the series and just, you know, what is true, eh? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, let, me, let me just, uh, hold on. Uh, come on, come on, give me the button. Where is it? There it is. Hold on. Um, uh, Grant, I want to finish with two things because we're already kind of burned through 45 minutes. Just <laughs> Time just goes when we chat. Um, one about like a little, just a general list of, uh, you know, uh, in my mind they're called primal secrets, right? Things yeah. that are so obvious but we yeah. forget. And so can we just go through some nutrition things? I know like don't eat the crap stuff is probably fair enough. Most yeah. people can understand that, you know. Yeah. But there is the bit we're missing which is, if I'm used to getting McDonald's every day, it's actually hard to get off it. Yeah. But we'll probably save that. That's a maybe a partly individual journey yeah. of just trying to fail until you don't. Yeah. And um, I've been more thinking about if we make sure other levels uh, at, you know, like our glutamine and omega-3s, that there might be some auto things that help us get off that. That's yeah. at least my personal experiment yeah. that I'm, it's maybe a bit of mindset, but I'm not searching for so much of this amino acid, you know, yeah. or omega-3. Yeah. I'm not piling through chips and chips yeah. just to feel this whatever. Yeah. So so if we just make a list over here, we can generally say yeah. that, um, you know, just getting standard, you know, 1,000 milligram omega-3 tablets, probably yeah. one or two of those a day would yeah. be pretty good. Yep. Um, you know, uh, have a look at some other, uh, or Google, you know, health benefits, mental yeah. health. I've even seen one of the studies about omega-3 that it helps us uh, with space, measuring yeah. Uh, space. Oh, okay, like spatial awareness. Yeah, or something. yeah, and yeah. we don't know how important that is. I mean, yeah. we definitely know we hate being claustrophobic. Yeah. So m maybe having a quick analysis of space reduces stress. But yeah. anyway, that's will. You know, I've got a hundred different ideas like that. Yeah. Uh, um, talk me through magnesium quickly because yeah. I've I've seen it in the chemist. Yeah. Why should I get it? Yeah. Well, so I mean, first of all, on all that, I I, I have I used to be saying that the the major template was was just eat you know, real food, food that was low in human interference, food mm. that was alive recently, mm. Mm. and that was the only template you would need. If you did that, then eventually you would probably be healthy. Um, and so you're avoiding ultra-processed food, and ultra-processed food is stuff that comes in packets. You know, mm. um, wasn't clearly recent, recently related to anything that was alive. Like a Dorito may have had 
plants involved at once, but it's nothing close to being a plant. Yeah. That's something that's obvious to most people. Um, and on the topic of supplements, I go, well, on that basis, I'm not sure you need them. I think I've more recently changed my mind a bit on that. Right. And uh, particularly around mental health. Yes. Uh, and I think mainly because I've discovered recently and sort of delving into this depression and antidepressants stuff and Julia Rutledge's work around food, um, the, I've really come to a new view that that uh, one of the major neurotransmitters, excitatory neurotransmitters in the brain called glutamate, and it, it's always accompanied by an inhibitory system called GABA. Mm. I think that gets out of whack quite easily for humans. Uh, when it gets out of whack, it's over-secreted, uh, over over-excited, you're stressed. You start to get too much of the excitatory neurotransmitter, the, the receptor site, dumbs down and you need to produce even more mm. and some of that spills over out of the cell and it, it's toxic and so this is thing called glutamate excitotoxicity so excuse all the mm-hmm. science but it's sort of important because that that glutamate in excess in the brain kills brain cells and you get this downward cycle where where then the dying brain cells got 12,000 times more glutamate inside and it starts to release that and and, and away you go, you've got this downward spiral of, of, of problems with your brain. And the question is, are there bits and pieces, especially in your diet, um, that can help with that? Well, anything that can bring down inflammation in the brain, the brain has trouble getting rid of glutamate when it's inflamed. And omega-3 fatty acids, for example, are profoundly anti-inflammatory. And so then your prediction is that they bring down glutamate, which they do in randomised trials, and they bring down uh, depression and improve mood, which they do, they bring down inflammation. And so, so you, there's a consistent effect there. And so, so I think they're important for that reason, and I think most people in a modern Western diet are probably not getting enough of those, and in fact they're overeating the exact opposite of those, the omega-6 fatty acids, which yeah. are inflammatory. And then you go, well, what about magnesium? Um, well, magnesium is a really interesting one because it acts, it antagonizes the receptor for glutamate and it makes it, sends it back to working more normally again. And so you predict, well, if you could get magnesium into the brain somehow, and you can, you can't just have straight magnesium as you had in chemistry class, that stuff you burn, mm. that would be bad. So it mm. needs to come as something, it comes as uh, magnesium citrates, well studied. Um, uh, magnesium L3 and 8 is another way of getting it more quickly into the brain uh, and and it antagonises that receptor and improves mood in fact magnesium citrate is 2000 milligrams in randomised trials is more effective than antidepressants by, by quite a long shot really? yeah so but what if, sorry just to yeah. um, footnote if you're at the chemist what are you looking for? Just a magnesium tablet? No, yeah, so magnesium tablets aren't all the same, so they always okay. have to be bound with something. Yeah. And so the most expensive one is called magnesium l 3 which okay. is attached to a small protein which can get across the blood-brain barrier. The most, so, so some of them aren't very, you know, magnesium sulfate is a way it's often taken, and that's actually also a, um, uh, uh, used with constipation, unfortunately. Right. And, um, but that's not very bioavailable. It doesn't make it out of the gut. Mm. Um, magnesium citrate, does make it out of the gut Great. and gets to the brain. So you're Fantastic. looking probably magnesium citrate is probably the one you're looking for in your chemist. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Yeah. So, um, yes, yeah, so I hadn't been thinking about those things much, and I have, and I think then Julia Rutledge's work, where she gives people 
um, you know, fairly high doses of mm. um, not not recommended ounces, but maximum daily ounces of things like B12, folate, zinc, calcium, iron, um, those sorts of concoctions. Mm. People seem to do quite well on those. There's a, there's a clinical effect. Can you get it just from food? Um, I think we had this discussion in class a, a couple of weeks ago. I'm going, well, most probably you can, but I don't know. What is there a difference between a modern apple that's been in a cool store for for a year, um, or you know, imported bananas that don't even grow in New Zealand? Are they food, and do they have nutrients in them? I, I just think it's impossible to tell. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. Well, because the scientific methods way younger than humanity, so yeah. it's fair to say most things have not been researched yeah. you know and a lot of things have yeah but again that's like maybe in a hundred years we can sit down and well, people can sit down and say oh, it's so obvious now yeah. just like you know how humans acted 50 60 years ago is so obvious to us yeah you know in terms of um you know the the, the decisions we would think that's so yeah. stupid well the classic look i mean a classic basic question in public health nutrition is like what are people eating? Mm. When are they eating it? Who are they eating it with? Uh, where are they eating it? And how much are they paying for it? Mm. Like those are fundamental questions to understanding uh, the what people are eating and how we might go about changing that. Frankly, we've got no idea. Like, like that's <laughs> not even studied. We don't know that. Yeah, but, um, but but what do you mean we don't know that? Like, well, we've we've tried to do it by asking people on these. You know, seven day diet records that just don't work. Mm. Like, they, like, who knows what you ate five days ago? Yeah. So, as real time mobile cell photo, photography of food or, or something comes mm. into mm. things, then we'll start to be able to know that. Uh, you know, what's the average kid in this country has to take their lunch from home? What does that lunch even look like? Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to study that at the moment. No one's got any idea. Yeah. Like, I, um, how does it vary? Do, the kids who eat well are they do they learn better in class? I don't know, mm. probably. Um, so, like the what the point is that the 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 understanding in the field of nutritional science and public health, particularly, it's like so like we're here like yeah. it's start right. So a good career, um, and you're going to learn a lot, and there's a lot to know about the world. But like like we just don't know that much yes, yet. Yes, and uh, okay, I'll. I don't want to draw too many conclusions, but you can kind of feel that if you don't have those things in order, that you, it doesn't end anywhere well. You know, no. like rising levels of depression, yeah. rising levels of suicide, yeah. rising levels of unhappiness, you know. Yeah. And then you add in the COVID-19 effects and you're starting to get the swirl of, you know, bad news where you probably go into the realm of, you know, I start to think about how, Remember pubs back in our dad's days, yeah. they were only open for a short time, so you'd yeah. go and guzzle as much as you can. Yeah, then you had to go home. Yeah, and try and suppress the crappy job you didn't yeah. really like. But that's where it feels like we're going to have to get into a suppression realm. Yeah. And you can start seeing that with um, yeah. even ideas, right? No, yeah. no, 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 don't talk about that. You yeah. know, just stick to this. Uh, it's like there's a gap, and what's filling that gap is kind of um, you know I'm not huge on corporate and all of that stuff yeah. but I would yeah. you know I've found a gap here for breathing and it's got me close enough to you yeah. to do study now yeah. it's awesome yeah. I'm so fulfilled yeah. but that's only because there was a small gap there yeah. um, as was podcasting back in the day yeah, yeah. so whatever's I just think that my intent's probably not a malicious one at least not consciously but you kind of get the feeling like hmm food big companies come in 
hey, yeah. let's sell you a piece of cardboard with a bit of sugar on it yeah. and call that healthy. Yeah. And you start, you know, even in the presentation last night that, um, you know, wheat bix stuff is classified as like this whole grain food or f- food food. Yeah. But it's like, no, it got crushed down and put back together. And, yeah, yeah. You so know. it's ultra processed food. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, yeah. and, but people would not think that. And even if you said it, it'd be like, ooh, you know, <laughs> how dare you? Yeah. Um, okay. Well, okay. So magnesium, what is it? C- 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 magnesium citrate, I think, is a, a okay. pretty cheap one. Nice. Um, yeah. A little bit of omega 3. Yeah. Would you say just like a, a multivitamin? Probably a good idea. Yeah, probably. It's hard yeah. to hard to know. I was having trouble judging the quality of yeah, those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but there's yeah the high quality ones. The yeah. sort of the clinician only ones in particular probably pretty good. I mean, then some of the just random things that you wouldn't expect, like like and there's clinical trials on these. So here's an interesting one. Um, there's a thing called creatine monohydrate, which is a supplement used by uh, bodybuilders and sprint athletes. Um, and, and a little bit now by endurance athletes in lower doses. But low doses, randomised trial for mood, quite effective. Really? Um, and so, you know, and it's cheap. You just, it's a real cheap supplement. Mm. Um, and and there's, a, there's a dozen of those, right? So vitamin C, uh, the B complex vitamins, um, similar things. Mm. Um, anything that provides an anti-inflammatory effect in the brain is likely to have a massive effect on your mood um, because of... You know, the way we live provides an inflammatory environment for the brain, and and, and that's not even in debate in in sort of biological psychology and psychiatry that inflammation is a key mm. thing here. Yet yet we're still um, you know down the idea of well, we'll just either talk about it um, or we'll give you um, these drugs that have nothing to do with that and interfere and cause harm. So like why are we not getting to the primary cause? I, I, I'm the more I do back in some of my roots from psychology really the more I do back in mental health um, the more horrified I am yeah. about why and where we're at where we're at especially our young people so I think we were just reading a study well we were just going through it's actually not a study it was a it was a protocol paper that was explaining this study so they were they were looking at omega-3 fatty acids in a double blind placebo randomized trial and they were looking at kids aged 8 to 17 with major depressive disorder you know, even that, it's just like you just feel like a, a mm. as a I think you as a dad as well. Mm. You, you're just reading that, just going, you know, swallow hard. Yeah, shit. Mm. You know, like mm. this is a thing. Mm. Eight year olds with major depressive disorder. Yeah. Um, you know, ha- ha- how back to what I was saying about humans as a collective. How mm. how we not as a collective decided we want to so- we want to solve COVID, which is you know getting our old people what about our youngies mm. what about an eight-year-old with this major depressive disorder how's that an acceptable thing in society you know that's i'm getting right. carried away no like, no no, oh no God, but, you know but that's the thing it's like we put these it's like we, the narrative captures us and it's about you know solving this but yet there's this kind of true boogeyman which you know like it's the personification of freddy krueger he might yeah. as well be real attacking yeah. people through depression yeah yeah, it might as well be the devil. It might as well be whatever you want to call it. Yeah, because it's real bad shit and it's yeah. happening. Yeah. and I just like what's really hopeful, Grant, and you know I truly mean this is to even like to take a little bit of go to the chemist today. And I've been doing it, man. You know, like I yeah. I, I know enough. I know I know I don't know too much, but I know enough to yeah. read through like glutamine, for example. I looked at the things and it says uh, suppresses sugar appetite. Yeah, I'm like fucking a. Yeah. I can I can I can take that. Yeah. It was twenty bucks fifty capsules. Yeah. I'm like, that's a reasonable investment. Yeah. So one of those a day now. Yeah. I got fifty. Oh, and you're sort of going on the um 
that sort of protein leverage idea that they're getting enough of the essential amino acids, yes. including amino yes. one, yep. um, is one of the things that drives hunger. If you're not yes. getting enough of the essential amino yep. acids, building blocks for the body and the brain, that's right. Then you're still going to be hungry. And yeah, and there's and probably you're going to be frustrated, yeah. and you're going to make bad decisions. You know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. which is oh, it doesn't take me too long to make them. So yeah. that's been my regimen: is yeah. like a multivitamin. Um, I know there's room for more knowledge. I could yeah. probably get a better one, but at the moment, it's a multivitamin. It's yeah. uh, two uh, omega three tablets. Yeah. I'm going to add the magnesium sulfate, sulfate? citrate, citrate yeah. in. Got to be careful here. If people are going to yeah. be like, well, hey. that's that's more of the um, the the stuff for constipation is a magnesium sulfate. So <laughs> right. You can, you can <laughs> take that if you want, but you know, whatever. And <laughs> and what's really that's why I said to you this narrative. What's helped me as a person who's overweight for most of their life is I I know now the inflammation dangers of this highly processed diet, yeah. and it's put me off. You like yeah. for the last 12 yeah. days or something and I whinge to you that my fast didn't go longer for two days but for 12 to 15 days I haven't touched the bad foods yeah I, I, I've like and I've made a big effort to say to everyone at home I'm going to go as low carb as I can so that's no carb it's not no carb no no but, but you've just got a veggies, bit of a template heaps of apples yeah. um, meat you know yeah. and, and, and just like so far we haven't we just did a trip around New Zealand for yeah. a filming job last week yeah. that's why I was away but we didn't do one KFC. Yeah, right. And I thought that was a good win. Yeah. And I, I think it's placebo. I think it's mindset. But I think yeah. it's also because yeah. I'm a little bit topped up on these areas that I think we're chronically low in. Yeah, yeah. You and know? I, yeah, and no, I agree with that. And also, like that fast thing was interesting, right? Oh, you're going 10 day fast. I was like, mm. well, that's ambitious. I wouldn't probably yeah. have tried that. And of course, you didn't make it to 10 days. Mm. But the narrative is not like I failed. It's like, yeah, I got this far into it. Yeah. Um, quite interesting. I learned quite a lot. Mm. Um you know, um, happy days. Absolutely. Like, so that, that's my sort of take on that, those fast, two fasting efforts. Yeah. Um, not, oh yeah, I didn't make it. So, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, again, it's what we focus on. It's yeah. a real effort. Uh, some other people I've had on the podcast talk about, you know, like that, that positive mental way of talking. Yeah. Hypnosis is big on that NLP. Yeah. Where like, it matters when you say your shit. Yeah, it registers somewhere in that. Yeah, yeah, totally. That, yeah, um, Louise, my wife, Dr. Louise Schofield, she's who's the CEO of Precure, is mm. pretty big on that yeah. affirmation stuff. It's yeah. like she's like, you're going to talk yourself into it, mm. um, one way or another. So, might as well be positive. Mm. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Well, and lucky for people like you because you're always you're quite critical of me. You're like, hold on a minute, don't let yourself off the hook. You haven't, yeah. you yeah. know, keep going. Yeah, yeah. You got a bit of work to do, but be accountable. So yeah. that's that human interaction. Okay. Yeah. Just lastly, because I always talk about this stuff with you, but I got kind of two questions. One, what do you want to be when you were young? Yeah. And two, what did what what did your fam what's your fam did you are your family into science? Like I mean, your parents, their grandparents. What's yeah. that story? Because everyone only talks to you about the science stuff. Yeah. So what do you want to be when you were young? Well, I didn't really know. Um, it was interesting though because I did make a decision. It was a really interesting one because like, there wasn't, you know, this is back in the early, late 80s, early 90s. And I thought, well, I, you know, I, I'm going to go to the University of Otago and study physical education. That sounds like my sort of thing. I'm into sports and health and mm. well-being. And I'd even enrolled insofar as I'd even got a hall of residence that I was going to stay in. And I think my family basically thought that was a bad idea. And then it sort of see a vocational future and that sort of side of being active in health and that sort of thing. 
and I think my grandfather, who'd been a lawyer, sort of talked my out of it. My dad, who's an engineer, is like, well, you know, what job are you going to be doing? Like a gym instructor? And, you know, so that was a bad thing. Um, and so I didn't go, and then my, so I didn't really have any idea, and I was quite lost. So I, my dad was an engineer, and he was always talking up engineering. So I was like, well, I enrolled in engineering at the University of Auckland. And I went to the first week, and I was just like, oh, God, no. Um, so I just knew I couldn't do that. So the only thing left, you know, I couldn't obviously couldn't go and get a, I wasn't employable, you know, I just wasn't a mature enough person to actually have get a proper job, and so I was like, well, I'll do a science degree. I'll do what I'm interested in, which is physiology and psychology. So I studied that, and at the end of that degree, I was like, well, I can't get a job. There's not a job that someone would give me. I'm not mature enough to get a job. There's nothing that I could do for anyone. Uh, I'll, I'll do. And going into the sort of master's degree space I did that at the end of that I was like okay well now I'm getting A's and A pluses because I was sort of interested in it mm. and then I was like oh can't really get a job that <laughs> you know would give me but actually they're going to give me a scholarship to do a PhD and I'll get some part-time work being a you know a tutor um, okay right so <laughs> did that um, you know that all came to an end and it's actually you can't keep studying at that point it's like well I, okay I have to actually get a job now so um <laughs> What jobs are going around here? Oh, academia. Okay, right, that'll do me. So here I am still. So, so there wasn't really that. Um, yeah, it sounds a bit of a cop out. I just ended up basically <laughs> through school. I always liked science and biology. I actually liked it, right? Mm. So I'd look at it and I would um, remember the stuff. I'd do real well on the test because I was interested in it. Um, and I wasn't interested in that much else besides the sports and being active. Mm. And then I just sort of kept following that interest. And, and I guess I you know, had the privilege of growing up in a world that you could do that. Um, other sort of people in my family, I guess it's interesting, like my grandfather on the other side was a pretty clever metal scientist. Um, like, so he, he um, lived in India during World War II because um, that's where he needed to be. But he basically worked and ran... I think with the Ishapur munitions factory, but he, he invented the armor-piercing shell, which may not be a claim to fame because it probably killed his people, which is not very awesome. Um, but it may have finished wars earlier as well. But yeah, he was a, he was a metallurgist. He came out here to New Zealand, introduced the metric system. So yeah, those, there's a bit of a history of dad's. My dad's a pretty scientific thinking sort of guy. Um, interesting with my brother, I went back to my old high school to give a talk. Uh, yeah, uh, it was just you know, I was giving a talk at the to the school, and they were hosting me. And um, I took my mum. I thought well, mum would love it. She was really supportive during school, and and she's walking around inside, um, you know, looking at at the boards, you know, all the honours boards. And I was like, no, 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 mum, the the um, the sports stuffs out in the in the foyer. And she goes, oh no, no, I'm just looking for your brother's name. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, yeah, that's dead right. So yeah, yeah actually, I wasn't, I wasn't even the smartest in my family. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Oh, it's good to, good to, good to hear that. You know, like, um, I think we make a habit of pigeonholing people, and definitely, um, you know, one of the things I try and remind myself is that, you know, you're not just the professor or you know the the author and stuff. You you're just the dad and some you know husband as well, right? Trying to make it all work and oh yeah, well that was the thing that you said to me before. It's like oh, I just can't think of you as being a dad. Mm. I was like, well, I can. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've been doing it. I've been doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, it's a lesson to not kind of like you know uh, humanizing people, right? Yeah. You, you're not just the unit. The the 
title that is given to you as the yeah. professor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I see it like we're all kind of like like come into your classes and yeah. everyone's just like, well, whatever you say, Grant, that's awesome. And I think... Yeah, well, I wouldn't know, be doing that for a start. There's your first <laughs> mistake. <laughs> no, but in a good way, you know, yeah. because I think if, if you've tracked your journey, yeah. you'll see a certain amount of bravery, which is heavily lacking, at least in my observation in today's world, to stand yeah. up and say, well, hold on a minute. You know, yeah. and I think what the scientific method maybe is able to provide is just that little bit of, um, well, first of all, it provides the answer, and yeah. secondly, it gives you a little bit of courage. Yeah. You know, and I think maybe that's would you say it's fair? That's why you've got courage because you can go back and say, hold on, I can I can vouch for my, you know. yeah, I don't know, um, <laughs> I don't know why I've ended up being quite good at, at talking against the status quo and going no mm. I think there's something wrong here mm. and, and I've made that judgement mm. I guess I'm, I don't know why I've become that's become something I'm I'm either been known for or quite good at I do mm. do like I do judge my own critical thinking as to be accurate yes uh, I don't know if that's just overconfidence or that's the confidence you need to do that mm. um, and I do I'd, I'd rather I don't know, you know when you do those personality tests and it goes, would you rather um, say the thing that's true or just leave it because it causes less fuss? And I'm always like ticking, I'd say what's true. Yeah. And then I'm always surprised when I talk to other people and go, oh no, I would never tick that. Mm. I'm like, really? Because I wouldn't. Oh, really? No, no, because for me it's a holistical thing of how can I keep the peace? You know what I mean? It's oh, yeah, like, but I'm I'm more thinking. Well, yeah, like that's actually harming people. Absolutely. Right? You know, like absolutely, uh, they might keep the peace, but um, people will like get not not resolve their mental illness, yes, or they'll yes. they'll get cancer or something. Yeah. You know, like like no, 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 no. It, <sighs> and it's it's why I think yeah. people are interested in kind of yeah, you know, share that information ground yeah. because yeah it's that what you know what i've called bravery it's like well you gotta no, no i'm not sure it is bravery i think it's just built in you know maybe, maybe you know like i just i just can't be bothered keeping the peace i'd rather do that <laughs> other thing you know so <laughs> it's good stuff um yeah. well i think you know thanks for you know obviously everything you do for me and the others but um but just you know like i don't know if too many people sit down and write things like is it even true like that's a that's a that's a very awesome thing to be uh, around. Yeah, yeah. Like this is, this is um, yeah, yeah. Like we've got like just random bits of paper. <laughs> that I try to organise my thoughts on. But it's awesome. Yeah, and you know, got, and like, it's a big step because you've never said that you have to find the answer to that. But yeah. the goal of going after that is probably something most people yeah. don't actively tap into. You know, it's yeah. more this auto thing of we go where we think the truth is rather yeah. than is it even true? And is it even true? Yeah. Um, if so, how big's the effect? Um, if if it's a decent size effect and it's true, is it worth doing because of the other harms that we don't know about? Mm. Gosh, that's good stuff. Yeah. Three questions. Uh, be an awesome book. Okay, Grant, where can look people? Obviously, they know how to find you. They can Google. But w- w- what's some things people should check out? You know, you obviously got the new book out. Um, any other resources? Oh yeah. So so um, interesting things are happening at the moment. So um, yeah, we're just in the what the series, which started what the fat, what the fast, what the fat sport performance, what the fat recipes, uh, the what the face is out now, which is really sort of about. Uh, skin gut health it's a really fantastic book really proud of where we've got to on that so that's just out so this is what the fat book.com mm. um, I'm really spending more and more time as the chief science officer in precure precure.com with a K um, prevention is cure which is 
a sort of social enterprise to try and bridge that gap between science and actual practice in the health system mm. particularly this idea of getting health coaches I'm really into this idea of that and, and the, the evidence shows this right like both in the metabolic stuff including diabetes but also the mental health stuff like you don't actually need a full psychologist because we haven't got enough of them mm. it'd be great if you did but actually um, you know with a little less training um, but some still some sufficient training you can become a health coach and make a massive difference so we've been doing that stuff um, and then here at AUT is the director of this thing the, where I'm sitting now, the Human Potential Centre, probably just more trying to build up that post-grad cohort that brings me so much joy yeah. um, uh, again and then sort of into this uh, well-being space, particularly mental health, because someone's going to have to do that. We're not doing a good enough job on that. So that's sort of where I'm at at the moment. Yeah, it's, it's been fun to uh, be in the journey with you and to follow your journey. Um, awesome. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, mate. Cool. There we go, team. Just a short little wrap-up here. I want to say thank you to Professor Grant Schofield for all you do for us and all you do for me in this study journey that I'm on. I definitely feel like uh, I've been searching for a bit more control over what I do, who I am, all of that stuff. And there's nothing more powerful than trying to build the hard building blocks of uh, being somebody who can understand research and and then try and explain that to people and and actually not just have opinions in this over opinionated world having kind of collective controlled thought is I think where it's at and hopefully um, is uh, um, the gift that we are given in today's world where we don't maybe have to always be focusing on you know uh, these these true life battles that we can focus on the attempt to make ourselves better so that's what I am I'm a personification of that and I want to thank you all for being part of that journey with me okay team uh, thanks all for listening to the podcast if you feel like it um, jump over to my patreon page patreon.com forward slash please blow my mind or the myotape page you can find that link on the Manava Breathing Instagram page. If you don't want to do any of that, but you want to do something, do jump on and give me a five-star review on the podcast platforms. Whew. Nice slow in. Nice slow out. That's where the magic happens. Take care, everybody. Thank you all for blowing my mind, and we'll see you next time. I could crumble into pieces, but I got a million reasons why I won't. Cause this heavy as a season And the sun is always right behind the storm